The pod class is in session. I'm your host, Caitlin Thiel, and welcome to our elective series, System Leadership in Healthy Schools. This series aims to empower school system leaders to improve a wide variety of outcomes, maximizing student and teacher well-being. This elective series is brought to you by the Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance. The Alliance is a network of organizations on a mission to promote health and well-being in school communities across Canada. The Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance has recently launched the new Canadian Healthy School Standards to support leaders and schools in growing their healthy school communities. This document and its supporting resources present explicit processes for taking a systemic approach to enhancing well-being in schools, and it builds off existing frameworks such as comprehensive school health. It is my hope that the listeners will hear themes from the Canadian Healthy School Standards throughout this series but we thought it important to provide some context first. Therefore, joining me today, I have Melanie Davis, the Executive Director of PHE Canada, to share more about the Alliance and the journey that got us to these new standards. Before I introduce Melanie, I wanna first situate our conversation in the land. I am a white settler joining you today from Miskwichi, Weskahigan on Treaty 6, which is the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, Nakota Sioux, and the Métis Nation of Alberta regions 1, 2, 3, and 4. Melanie wants to share that she's joining us from the Anishinaabe territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. We would like to acknowledge the ancestral and unceded territories of all the Inuit, Métis, and First Nations people that call Turtle Island home and who have been stewards of the landways and the waterways since time immemorial. It is important to reflect on our relationships to the land and our relationships with each other. Our present is very much shaped by our shared histories and the history of Turtle Island. We come into this conversation today with gratitude to the elders, the knowledge keepers, the land and water protectors, those of the past, the present, and those in the making today. It is important to make note that our understanding of healthy school communities has been shaped by colonization and colonial ways of thinking and knowing. We can't talk about school well-being without considering the ongoing legacies of residential schools and the colonial impact of government structures developed to oppress, assimilate, and destroy Indigenous peoples. These legacies continue to cause harm in our schools and our communities. When history is known, a mutual understanding can be achieved to build genuine reconciliation. The onus is on non-Indigenous people to make the effort to learn the true story of Indigenous peoples through Indigenous perspectives. Therefore, it is my hope that we come to this conversation and to this series with the intentions to build relationships and work toward decolonizing our practice. A quick reminder to our listeners that podcast learning is mobile, We invite you to take this time to do a little something for yourself to nurture your well-being while you listen. Maybe it's baking for some, knitting, heading out for a walk, or soaking up some sunshine in your backyard. Now, I am very happy to welcome Melanie. Melanie is a dynamic leader with a knack for working across sectors to drive positive change for and with children and youth. With degrees in both social development and public policy, Melanie has had a career creating child and youth-friendly spaces, platforms, 
and inclusive and meaningful opportunities for young people to flourish. Melanie focuses on ensuring a collaborative, equitable way forward and activation across all levels to provide the structure and support all children and youth need. As Executive Director of Physical and Health Education Canada, Melanie is a collaborator, an innovator, and a champion for ensuring all children lead healthy, active lives. Bonus notes, Melanie's a hiker, a biker, a rusty sign language speaker, and a mother of two. Welcome, Melanie, to the pod class, Electives. While our listeners are thinking about ways to tend to their wellness, I was wondering if you can start by sharing your favorite ways to nurture your wellness. Yeah, thank you, Caitlin. I'm happy to be here. I actually have to admit, I do love sunset walks along the beach. I love that, but seriously. And usually that takes place um, when I'm traveling and going on adventures. Um, so that's something I really like to do. In this time of stay-at-home orders, I enjoy those walks, camping, uh, canoeing, outdoor life, and, and just getting outdoors. That's really what I like to do. Wonderful. I would love to have sunset walks on the beach more often too, but (laughs) over here in Alberta, we don't have many, so I'm jealous. Okay, so let's dive into this story. So you're here today to talk about the Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance and these new standards. So why don't we jump from the start and talk about the alliance? Can you share a little bit about who the stewarding organizations are and how they started and why it all began? Yeah, and I think my uh, my story about the Alliance is very uh, wrapped up with my own story at PHE Canada. So uh, at, when I was hired almost four years ago, it was the, uh, my starting day was the day after the inaugural meeting of the Alliance. Um, and so um, I was asked to just attend this first meeting as a fly on the wall before I really started my, my job. <laughs> So I arrived to a room full of uh, about 35 leaders within the education sector across Canada. And I sat down and beside me to one side was the president of the Canadian Association for School System Administrators, um, Mr. Ken Bain. To my other side was the executive director of the Joint Consortium for School Health, Around the table, Everactive Schools, OFIA, the Canadian School Board Association, just all of these people who have just really dedicated their lives to education and to children and youth across Canada. So that was my first day on the job. And the the result of that meeting was uh, just a real appetite and a will to uh, come together and to promote healthy schools across Canada. And that then led to a second meeting that took place in Alberta. And at that meeting, a kind of a mission statement was developed. And that mission statement was that every school in Canada um, should be a healthy school and that the Alliance was going to use collaboration to make that happen. And so here we are in our third, almost fourth year um, and presenting these standards. And so it has been a, a, a wild ride and a fun ride. And so those presidents that I sat beside on my first day are now my my colleagues and now instead of being the president or the executive director they're now we're first names and we're really integrated and, and working incredibly collaboratively together so it's been it's been a ride 
wow, that's, that's quite the first day. (laughs) It was. So, you know, that was three, four years ago. Why now? Why is, you know, all these groups coming together across Canada so important at this time? Well, I think a healthy schools approach has always been important. Um, the, the model itself has been around for 15 years um, and it's evolved over that time. But I think we're at a point in, in Canadian history and global history that there is an absolute sense of urgency around this work in, in making our schools to be um, healthy, places where, where young people can flourish. And uh, I think our attention is really drawn now in 2021 to making sure that every child, each and every child flourishes within our schools. And there has just been a reckoning and an awareness that not every young person is And so we are, as an alliance, really driven to really understanding the model and really breaking that apart and putting it back together so that each and every student can can flourish, not just those that show up for the programming, Mm -hmm. but but really being intentional about about how we do this work and really working hard to to understand that uh, we need to deconstruct it, decolonize it, and and put it back together in a way that really makes an impact for all students. Awesome. So the why now, I think it has to be. Every school has to be uh, a healthy school in Canada. And I'm sure there's some power to all these different groups across the country getting on the same page. Absolutely. So the Alliance is stewarded by a number of different groups. So the big round table that was on my first day, uh, a a small group stepped forward to lead the way. And so that's the um, Canadian School System Administrators, uh, CASA, the um, CSBA, the PHE Canada, Everactive Schools, DASH and OFIA have stepped up to really lead the way. And then there are uh, members or associated groups across Canada that are also a part of that. Um, but it's led by this group of six, mm-hmm. um, sorry, and Circle Labs with Dr. Kate Story as well. So seven, my apologies. Mm-hmm. And we lead the way and have been doing that for the last three years. Well, thank you for sharing that. Okay, so now let's fast forward. So the Alliance has been together for about three to four years. Can you take us back along the journey that brought us to these new healthy school standards? Uh, Great question. Um, Thanks, Caitlin. So it all began in our first meeting. And really, what were the reading notes that we had in order to arrive in the know about healthy schools? And so, you know, the links were the Okanagan Charter for the Health Promoting Universities and Colleges. That was created in 2015, really, at the time, really groundbreaking in the way that so many different partners and and players came together to sign on to that charter across Canada. And so that spirit of collaboration that was within that document was really kind of one of the first pieces that we looked at. And we looked at it because uh, here we have this collaboration for health promotion happening at the college and university level. And let's bring that down into the the K-12 level. We then had PHE Canada's 2012 um, Healthy Schools concept paper. So this is when uh, it was a number of different researchers and um, uh, individuals who came together to create a paper about bringing this model to Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really the kind of the kickstart. 
Then we have the real launch of what this is going to look like across, across Canada. So in 2016, the Joint Consortium for School Health produced a comprehensive school health model. Yeah. And so these were our starting points. This, this is how we uh, entered into the conversations about what we need to do to move forward. As an alliance, we would organize three big meetings a year where back when we could travel, everybody came together to discuss about how we were going to push this big rock uphill together. And at those sessions, we would always have some individual come to uh, share some new insights, some new ways of doing or some new research. Mm -hmm. So very early on, Actually, our second meeting, we had Dr. Susan Roger come in and Dr. Susan Roger Mm -hmm. is from the University of Western Ontario and um, their presentation was focused on what was called Ponder This. So in that presentation, um, Dr. Roger mentioned that the comprehensive school health model is a colonial model Mm. and all the research around it is really high resource schools that are participating in in this work Uh, so all of the data all of the outcomes were really based on these high resource schools Um, and so we did exactly what Dr. Susan Roger wanted us to do. We pondered it. Yeah. We really thought long and hard about that. And that was a real turning point for us as an alliance when we, as a, as a group, come together and, and, and just push forward something that's not meeting the needs of all students and that's not applicable to all settings and contexts. Right. We really need to understand what it is that uh, works and what it is that isn't working in this context. So at the same time, as I mentioned, Circle Labs is part of the Alliance um, leadership table. And Dr. Kate's story was really looking into what is working to really drive forward with the healthy school model. And so she created a set of essential conditions. So those essential conditions were things that schools needed in order to be successful in their work. Yeah. Next, we looked at Dr. Pamela Toulouse's work, which really focused on what matters in Indigenous education. So here we are starting to, on our journey of trying to understand how is colonialism, how is racism embedded into the model? You know, we all hear that the education system has these things baked in. Yeah. But when you actually try to look at it, it's really hard to see it, right? It's so subtle, and but it's throughout. And so this document really introduced the idea of truth and reconciliation, really introduced the kind of deep work that needed to happen in order to understand where colonialism, where racism was showing up in the work. And then as we move forward, we've now entered into a time of COVID and we're seeing the disproportionately negative outcomes for marginalized groups experienced a global awakening in regards to George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this work became urgent and this this deep dive became our our journey in regards to creating the um, healthy school standards. I think it really paints a picture. You know, this didn't just come to life in a month or a week with a few voices. It came to life over, it sounds like, a number of years 
with a lot of really important voices and input included. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, in the document, when people pick it up, they'll see the number of hands or the number of pens that were a part of the document. So there's three lead writers. Myself, I'm one of them. Um, But Dr. Pamela Toulouse is also one of the lead Mm -hmm. writers. And um, Ellen Long is is the third. But there are over 30 other people who held pens in the creation of this document. And we were very intentional about uh, ensuring that they represented all levels of the education system, but also all contexts within, within Canada. And so it was a long time in the making and really the result of many hands. I know we will at the end of the episode share where exactly to go to some of these documents, but since we're talking about it so much, in case our listeners want to, you know, jump in to the document as we talk through it, I will let you know that the Canadian Healthy School Standards can be found on the National Alliance website, which is at healthyschoolsalliance.ca. So in case you kind of want to follow along as we talk, I just wanted to plant that now, but we will also share it um, in our episode notes as well. So Mel, you talked a little bit about these experts and these people you pulled in to help the conversation. Can you share some of the important shifts that took place throughout the journey? Absolutely. So um, one of the, the, the big ones, and these are in no particular order or ranking, but I'll just kind of move through them, mm-hmm. is the understanding of the differences in the definition of health, mm-hmm. for example. And so in a European model, health is often described as the absence of ill health. And health promotion is the intervention of stopping that ill health. Right. And so that's our uh, European model of health versus a more inclusive view of health, which is um, all the domains of really well-being. It's the relationships, it's the connection to the land, it's the interconnection of all of those pieces. And so some, someone's health cannot be looked at as just their own body. Right. It's, it's a much bigger kind of community piece. And so the first really big sh- shift is that inclusive view of health rather than one that's focused on intervention and prevention. So that's one of the big, big pieces. And you see that showing up in uh, really in an asset-based decolonizing approach versus a needs-based. And so mm-hmm. typically a comprehensive school health model would say we have a high incidence of uh, drug use or bullying or these pieces, and we're going to create a program to uh, attend to that. Right. Versus we're going to look to our, our community and our student population and find out what their assets are. And we're going to build on that. Right. Right. And so if we take that asset based approach, we are creating the protective factors that then would protect young people around those kind of needs or risky behaviors. Right. So so it shifts the focus to that asset base, which is a really, really key, key part. The next really big part is that is the shift from one-offs. So this isn't just an, an intramural program or a, a food program or a, f- a clothing bank or 
um, all of these things. It is a whole, uh, like the puzzle pieces that all fit together. And so you can have multiple different things happening. Yeah. They should be happening in concert rather than the one-off kind of fragmented things. Another big learning was that a healthy school is culturally relevant and affirming. And so you'll see a real strong presence of or intentionality around culture and its meaning within the school and needing to know that and reflect that and, and um, affirm that versus being neutral. Um, and so that was a big learning as we went through is the shift away from being race neutral. And, and placing that the culture in a healthy school model. So that was another big one. Hmm. Another really huge one is uh, staff well-being. So a lot of comprehensive school health activities focus on the students, yeah. but don't give attention to the, the well-being of the staff. Yeah. And so you'll see as well in the new document, that is a starting point. We've started with the health and well-being of, of the teachers because unhealthy teachers cannot create healthy environments for their students. Or if they can, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Right? And so uh, we have to start with the, the staff as well. Finally, uh, dedicated and sustainable funding, time, policies. We need to actually get this in writing. We need to give resources. There's really just too much at stake not to do it. And so we, uh, we have to have the, the school system leaderships take accountability and be responsible for creating those um, enabling conditions. Mm -hmm. And that those live in our policies, they live in our budgets, they live in our scheduling, they live in professional development. And all of those pieces need to be dedicated. And then finally, it's the um, sharing decision-making. So this is about power and dynamics. Mm -hmm. And um, we've got lots of stories where, say, a, a leader has said, oh, you know, to make my school healthy, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so the result is that the power wasn't shared in that situation. And so, and it's a top-down as opposed to uh, percolating up from the community with the help of the, the leadership. And in that way, you can really uh, create a, an environment that's really reflective of the needs and the interests and the assets of that environment. And you get buy-in and, and you get people power when you, when you do that. Mm -hmm. So those are the big shifts and that's a long list again. Uh, but when you read the document, it's good to see, and you can now see, see the thought that was behind all the points. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of the things you touched on taking strengths and asset space versus trying to correct something, focusing on teacher and staff well-being, decolonizing, sharing power. Those are all things I think have been rippling in conversations surrounding school health for, you know, for a while now, but it's so nice to like hear how those were all infused and considered within this new document. So thanks for sharing that. Now to build off that, someone might wonder, do these new standards replace the comprehensive school health model? 
Not at all. So the idea is that they build on top of. They're the new evolution. Uh, they're the lens that's applied to when doing the work to make sure that the impact is wider and deeper with all students. Mm -hmm. And so um, the four components of the comprehensive school health, where it's policies, leadership and learning, partnerships and services, and the environment. Yeah. Those are all uh, key areas where you want to keep working. And so as you're working in, in those spaces and in, with that work, applying the thinking that is in these standards will drive to greater Im impact. Oh, that's good to hear. So schools don't have to, you know, throw out. No, no. It's, it's uh, you want to take your work to the next level. This document will help with that. I think schools will be grateful to hear that. Okay, so can you talk through what some of the key touchstones of the standards are? Yes, um, so there are five. The first one is that a healthy school integrates policies with action at all levels. So the accountability for that is everyone throughout the system. Uh, so instead of having a champion teacher working in isolation, you know, doing something for mm -hmm. and with their students, it is throughout the entire system and, and it's intentional. So it integrates policies with action at all levels. The second one is that it taps into and leverages the unique protective factors in the local community and the environment. So these are, this is the end to connection between the land the people before school, during school, and after school. And so you are creating that, that community and leveraging their strengths. The next one that's linked to that is that each person in and outside of the school has a role to play. Nobody's working in isolation. Everyone has knowledge. Everyone has expertise. Everyone has accountability within that model. The next one is that a healthy school affirms diversity. It engages and empowers it, and it creates a plan that, that centers that, but it's also one that is flexible, right? You may need to shift gears. Um, you may not have gotten it right. That's okay. Yeah. That flexibility is, is really key to affirming your community. And the final one is that a, a healthy school is a, is a central hub to support um, the lifelong health and well-being of the students. The community can come in, the school can come out. The school is that, that hub. Yeah. What's great about schools across Canada is this is almost 100% of our young people. Mm -hmm. And we can tap into the fact that they're all there and we can really have great impact if we, if we work in a manner that is equitable and inclusive. So now that we've talked a little bit about you know, these meaningful shifts and these key touchstones. Before we get into the sort of puzzle pieces that make up the standards, how do you hope schools and education leaders use the standards moving forward? Well, I'll go back to your title of this session. So this session is System Leadership in Healthy Schools. And so I'm going to focus there first, if, yes. if I can. So uh, the system leaders have a, an incredibly important role to play. And 
our hope, the Alliance's hope, is that they start playing that role in September or maybe a, you know, a week before. So it starts <laughs> with just reading the standards and just getting to know yeah. with what's in there. But then the next step is let's get this on your agendas. Yeah. Let's get some policies in place. Let's move it forward. And so the Alliance is going to put out a, a toolkit come September. Oh. That toolkit will have policy-ready statements. It'll have sample budgets. It'll have all sorts of different pieces that the school system leaders can use at their first meeting to say, we are going to prioritize well-being and healthy schools, and this is how we're going to do it. With, with regards to the budget, for example, something that school system leaders can do is formalize the process of reviewing budgets, each line item, and considering its impact on the well-being of children and youth. Right. So every every line item that's in there, what is its impact and what can we do to better that impact? Is the money should the money go here or should it go there? And the what can people do come September? You can get it on the agenda. We've even created the speaking notes for you. Oh, wow. What you, how you need to introduce it and then get it into policy, get it into the budgets and then become a champion and start to to move that out into into the school community through your professional development and through modeling and doing the work. So I think that would be the, the tipping point. Mm-hmm. If every trustee, uh, school board, a senator, a principal, yeah. superintendent, uh, minister could could take that on to say that I'm going to do this in September. So just just pick it up. Start by picking it up. Yeah. Wonderful. And I'm just going to get you to repeat it in case people missed it. So along with the standards in the fall, the Alliance is launching some tools to support educational leaders. So you mentioned policy ready statements, some, did you say budget samples and speaking notes to put it on the agenda? So we've shared the, uh, what we're calling a soft launch now. Mm -hmm. And that soft launch is just so that you can read them over the course of the, the next couple of months. And then come September, um, late September, there will be a bigger launch, which will have the whole toolkits and it'll all be on the Alliance website. Wonderful. Okay. So now let's get into the nitty gritty. Some of you may have opened the standards on your computer screen or printed them off and following along with us. But if not, then you can go check them out after. So the standards are divided into three groupings. So the starting points the foundational standards, and the implementation standards. Can you briefly tell us a little bit about how these three groupings scaffold with each other and work alongside each other? Absolutely. So the three groupings actually uh, got their got their start from Dr. Kate Story's essential conditions. And so mm-hmm. those conditions really set out what schools needed. They were kind of like what works on the implementation level. Initially, Dr. Kate's story had contextual conditions that were part of those. So these, these help make your work more successful. The new standards actually move those contextual pieces as starting points. So within that, there's six of them. Uh, one is getting familiar with healthy schools and the standards. The next, as I mentioned before, is like policy funding and project support, time, um, community connectivity, staff well-being. This is, you know, what we're asking the school system leaders to kickstart in September. Pay attention to these starting points. 
you're now creating the environment where the next steps can really kind of take root and be more successful. Once you've got all your starting points established, mm-hmm. the next step is that you, uh, you want a whole school approach. So you want to look at a healthy school from all different angles and to make sure that essentially it's like a wraparound model. You're wrapping around the school, making sure that there's mm-hmm. no leaks in your, in your healthy school initiatives um, so that you can move forward. You want to really look as well at all of your different subject areas. And so well-being doesn't just sit within physical and health education. Right. It sits in your math classes. It mm-hmm. sits in your science classes. It sits mm-hmm. in uh, English classes. And you want to look at how you can attend to the well-being of the students within all of the curriculum. In the standards, we give examples of that. You can do that by taking classes outside. You can do that by making math classes active, for example. You can do that through talking about well-being in all of these different subject areas, talking about stress with regards to testing and all of these pieces, and really each teacher taking that on to be well-being is a part of my curriculum now. And so how am I going to give rise to that in my classroom? Mm -hmm. And the third kind of next step is make a plan. So don't just, you know, do things kind of ad hoc here or there, but make an actual plan, bring your whole school together to make a plan, find out what each person can do and is willing to do and, and then create the support so that they can actually be successful in those. So we had our starting points, you got your policies in place, your people in place. Now what's called the foundational standards. This is the next step in your school community. And then finally, the the third grouping is the implementation standards. And so Mm -hmm. here we have the pieces that are really necessary to make this all work. Right. Um, And so your each school, for example, has to be autonomous and create something that works for them. Yeah. What works in downtown Toronto may not work where you are, Caitlin. Right. Uh, what works in uh, Northwest Territories may not work in British Columbia, et cetera, et cetera. So each school has to create their own plan. Mm-hmm. And you can do that by, you know, making sure the community is part of designing it. Right. Um, and so bring the community in and have them, students, parents, the business owners around your high school, for example, that are feeding all the kids at lunch. <laughs> yeah, everybody has a, a role to play in that. And the students are really important. Yeah. They're the change makers. They're the innovators. They're the ones living this, uh, feeling this, seeing this. And so uh, mm-hmm. they are the critical uh, voice that you want to center in in the work you want to make sure that those students are representative of your school environment as well so make sure that you're bringing in that diversity into that into that student voice and be present in the work right it's not enough to say okay we're going to have a uh, a committee that does that and then never show up show up be part of it enjoy the ride enjoy the journey uh, contribute but do so in a way that shares power be, be very self-aware as you enter that room as a leader especially young people are going to see you in a certain light so so be very cognizant of that piece 
And finally, professional learning is really critical Mm -hmm. because we don't know how to do this. This is all new. This is a new way of working. Earlier, I talked about, you know, the the awakening that Canada has uh, experienced. And so this is this is new territory and there's a lot of learning that needs to happen in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. So to your question, uh, the groupings, their starting points, foundational and implementation standards. And that together those make up a whole puzzle. Exactly, exactly. And so you know how frustrating it is to make a puzzle and then one piece is missing? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it all has to come together. You gotta have it all work to make the make the whole picture work. Awesome. Okay, so we sort of talked about some first steps for educational leaders in picking up the document, getting it on the agenda, exploring some of the tools. We talked about the various puzzle pieces that make up the standards. So now what do you think the standards might look like in real life? And, and more importantly, what are some pitfalls that you hope can be avoided? Well, in creating the Canadian um, Healthy School Standards, we actually went across the country to find case studies mm. that really exemplified what we were trying to say. So we found some. And in the document, there's four links to some case studies. Um, So I encourage everybody to go to the Alliance YouTube account and you can see them there. They're also embedded in the document and the links are there. How we evaluated whether or not somebody or project was going to be in the case study Mm -hmm. is did they hit every standard? So in the starting points, do they have all of those six starting points? Do they have the three foundational standards, like the whole school approach, well-being across all curricula, et cetera? Do they have all of the um, implementation standards? Right. So what we tried to look for is the puzzle. Is the puzzle complete? Right. And uh, it was really interesting to find that, there were a ton of examples of the puzzle not being complete, right? So, you know, one school would just do one little piece, but not the whole picture. Yeah. So what does it look like? It's, you know, to use the puzzle, it's the whole puzzle coming together. So the example in Northwest Territories was a great find. We were really excited when we heard about this story. So... In regards to a whole school approach, they absolutely are are showing this and you can you can read it there, but they have the policies in place. They have a specific curriculum in place that, that's unique to their context. They have youth advisory committees. They have uh, community champions and elders coming into the school. Wow. They're culturally relevant in the terms of their, their physical education classes are teaching fishing and hunting and trapping and, and all of these pieces that are key. All of their educators can speak the greetings in the Indigenous language. And every day they greet their students in the language of the community. They have plans around all of this sort of stuff. They have big school celebrations around all of it. And they have the higher level support that's really present. And then what's really great is they track it all. 
you know and so we have this school community every level of it coming together and moving this school forward and so you know there was a quote from one of the students who who just said what you know what's the end result of all of this work and this grade 12 student said it went far beyond what she ever expected um, and that it's made the difference in her education yeah. right so uh so that's what it could look like just so our listeners don't get overwhelmed, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that that didn't happen overnight. No, it did not. (laughs) And so uh, back to one of the starting points time. Yes. This is intentional. This is a long journey. Like the creation of this document, it has got many hands, many people are, are involved in making this happen. These are complex changes. These meaningful shifts at the standards nudge. Are, are complex and they might be new to a lot of education leaders and teachers. And I think it's important to reiterate that they won't happen overnight and to do the work meaningfully and well will take time. And like you said, the input of many. Absolutely. So, you know, from a systems level view, it is the school board that created the platform that the school uses to send out those newsletters in all those different languages. It is the parents that do the translation. Wow. And so that is many hands that are making that happen and many policies, relational pieces that need to be in place to to create that ethos or that, that climate in the school. That's a really cool story. Thanks for sharing. So did the case studies that the Alliance explored, did they highlight any pitfalls that we're hoping other schools can avoid? Oh, absolutely. So the Alliance put out a call for for stories that could lead to these case studies. And by and large, it was very hard to find examples that fit the comprehensive model. Mm-hmm. Right, that there was policy, there was uh, teaching and learning, that the environment and then the opportunities were all present. And so, what we saw was a significant amount of kind of one off, fragmented activities mm-hmm. led by our amazing educators and principals and, and, and school boards that are, uh, th- that are doing this work. The picture that was painted was that puzzle with pieces missing, yeah. right? It didn't come together. And so that would be the pitfall. And, and that's the starting point is creating that, the connection between all of the pieces and making sure that it, all of them are working in concert and, and that's time. And so, yeah. you know, we go back to the staff well-being. you got to designate the time to, in order to do that. And, you know, these, these fantastic champions that are doing these one-off pieces, it's, it's a lot that they're taking on, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's one, they're wonderful stories. And, and so we, we hope that by working in this kind of whole school approach, that one-offs can actually be more successful. So that's just another reminder that, you know, all the pieces make up the whole and it's important to look at it. Uh, every single piece. So thanks for sharing all that. I, I'm hoping our guests are, are starting to see the full painting in terms of how the Alliance got started, uh, the members of the Alliance, and then the journey that came to be as these new standards were developed. And then uh, some of the puzzle pieces that make up the standards. 
And I hope that you head and check out those case studies and check out the document. And I also hope that you stick around and listen to our future episodes. So we have some great guests lined up for this series. Some themes include workplace well-being or staff well-being, embedding truth and reconciliation into our schools, anti-racism, mental well-being. Mel, what do you know about some of these speakers we have lined up and what do you hope that they bring? Well, um, Pamela Toulouse, for example, is one of the lead writers um, and contributed a lot of really meaningful pieces to the standards. And so, uh, you know, Pamela Toulouse is quoted in the in the document as saying that healthy schools are interconnected with truth and reconciliation. And so what Pamela is going to bring to the conversation is probably what a lot of people are grappling with. Yeah. How do you give rise to truth and reconciliation within, within education? And so uh, I'm really looking forward to what Pamela will bring there and the mm-hmm. stories that Pamela will tell in regards to how to recognize truth and reconciliation through this process. And so that will be a really fantastic one. Rohan Thompson, as well, is going to be speaking on the notion, and this is as well something that Rohan has said, is that you can't have a healthy school without centering anti-racism. Yeah. And uh, so Rohan's going to really walk through what that looks like and, again, give um, case studies. So Rohan Thompson works in the Peel District School Board. So uh, in Peel, I would say that they're... Uh, Rohan is really at the center of, of this work with his team there. Um, and so I really look forward to seeing, uh, you know, what Peel is doing in this space and how the healthy schools approach really uh, fits in with that, with that picture. So that'll be really great. Mm-hmm. And then in regards to um, staff well-being, you know, as, as we said earlier, staff uh, have to be healthy um, before we can have healthy schools and that needs to be centered as well. And so I, I really think that this this series is going to to really help. These are some of these big topics that we're all kind of grappling with and each of them are core foundational pieces to these new uh, Canadian Healthy School Standards. So I think it's a dive right in. Lots of links and resources will be available after those. And so, um, yeah, it'll be, hopefully it's a a great uh, jumping off point for for everybody come September. Awesome. I'm excited uh, for those conversations. And I want to thank you, Melanie, for taking the time today to share a little bit more about the story and the standards to set up those conversations. Our listeners can find the standards and all the supporting resources on our website at healthyschoolsalliance.ca. Mel, I want to thank you for your time once again. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this podcast elective series, System Leadership in Healthy Schools brought to you by the Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance. Thanks to Matthew Wood for composing and performing the theme music. You can follow the Alliance on Twitter at CDN School Health or on LinkedIn by searching Canadian Healthy Schools Alliance. For more great content and resources, check out our website. And until next time, podcast is dismissed.